0: We are really fortunate to have three wonderful, well, two wonderful people to speak with us today. I'm not seeing. So uh, I would like to invite Pam
1: Carlisle to come share with us, folks. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pam Carla, and I've been a member here for about thirteen years. And it seems like just yesterday, but five years ago, Mother's Day 2013, I was sitting up front with the choir and In complete awe and appreciation of the inclusiveness of the Mother's Day service here. At the time, I was not yet a mother, but longed to be. And about six weeks prior, our beloved four year old foster son had been returned to his, uh, his birth family. Of course, our hearts were broken. We loved that little boy. We also still worried for him, of course. And, and I had learned, even though working with the foster care system and the juvenile justice system was harder than I could have imagined, That raising that little boy, as much as I was warned how terribly difficult being a parent to a traumatized child would be, I was told it was parenting magnified or intensified, and I had not yet done straight parenting. Uh, But I discovered I loved nurturing that child, I loved watching him absorb everything and in that sense it was not nearly as as hard as I thought to be a foster parent but it was so much harder to lose that child so fast forward a bit and now I am a mother my husband and I are parents and it's It's a complicated story to say how that happened, and I will try and condense it a bit. (laughs) And to be honest, a lot of it is a blur. Anyway, between getting a phone call um, about two weeks after Christmas of uh, 2013, and... uh, It was the the birth mother of the little boy that we had fostered, saying a friend of hers was uh, was expecting a child around Valentine's Day. And she uh, was um, matched by an attorney with a family she decided she no longer wanted to entrust with her child. And this mother and, and grandmother had said to her, well, our little boy, he, he loved the Carlisles. What would you think about meeting them? And she called to, to ask if we would be interested in meeting this birth mother. So to have a neutral place to do so, I got the keys to all souls. And we met in one of the, the classrooms And like I said, the rest is kind of a blur of ups and downs, would it happen, would it not? At that point, we had just gone our second Christmas of expecting that we were going to have a a child with us that Christmas. So uh, first, a a little girl, about eight or nine years old, and then second, we had had another little girl Uh, six years old both of those times we up until about a week or so before Christmas we had learned they would again be with uh, their biological family we already had presents and, and so forth so this time we determined not getting our hearts broken not getting our expectations up and not buying a thing <laughs> except for one little baby girl outfit I snuck home but <laughs> giving bricks out in the hall <laughs> um, anyway uh, and so as it turned out we, we did get this child and it, it was in a lot of ways miraculous it was an intersection of a private adoption, but an intersection too of, of some foster care and DCFS issues, and the right hand top to the left hand, and right there in this bureaucracy, that is a miracle. <laughs> um, we were all we were able to take our daughter home from the hospital, and after the mandated five day waiting period. Um, Natalie's birth mother uh, signed signed that she was relinquishing her to the to the care of my husband and I so now this leads me to um, Barbara had asked given the the pillar that we are in um, personal spiritual growth and development that that I talk about, the spiritual lessons and personal growth that I have experienced through parenthood. There's a lot of ways I can think of here, but there's one that I, I want to focus on, and it's, it's the concept of grace, and I know that's got all kinds of, of Christian connotations, and yes, that is my background, and in many ways still where I see myself, however. Don't panic! I'm not going to be talking about wretches and saving wretches, and um, as as the song goes, (laughs) I'll use my universal translator for the word wretch, (laughs) Um, because it's always been a concept that I've I've wrestled with. Um, I I say Christianity is my background. I would say it's it's. it was a Protestant church that had that Protestant ethic. If you've ever heard of the book "The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism," it's very much about you kind of, you gotta. Um, I, I don't know. We, have, we uh, gr- grace wasn't really a big one in that in that church. You earned, you got what you worked for, and if you worked for it and you got it, then yes. You completely deserved it. Um, but grace kind of turns all of that upside down. And it's something I always, always wrestled with, but it kind of clicked uh, for me in the, in the instance when, uh, when Natalie was entrusted to our care. Because there really is no possible way to have earned... The, the huge love, courage, and extraordinary faith that it took to place a child with us. That really isn't something it, that is so big, you really cannot earn it. But by the same token, you can't unearn it. Because, of course, in my darkest moments, uh, when I am not living up to my own, ideas of what a good parent does or what a good parent feeds their child or what a good parent, how a good parent doesn't get frantic getting to church on time, whatever, (laughs) telling said child to go away while I try and put this talk together. Um, I can't unearn it. In my my lowest moments, I think she deserved another family, that other family. They would have been younger. They would have been more energetic they would have had more resources for her. But I just, it's a love and a faith and a trust that is too big for any person to truly earn. But it's so big, you can't, it can't really be taken away either. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I could only explain it as grace. And really uh this it is a concept that can apply in a lot of ways and it can apply to unitarians or people that have no use or little use for for god i actually have found some beautiful unitarian sermons online about this and it is it's simply an expression of the of the joy of being alive and in the here and now, and that's always been a huge lesson to learn and there is nobody better to teach you that than a little person who's one, two, three, or four years old and and it also is um, it's about when when you feel... Discouraged or even disgusted about year after year, the, profession, the perfection that you're longing for, the perfection as a parent, the perfection as, as anything, um, doesn't appear. That grace is what tells you just experience the joy of being alive in the here and now and accepting what is in front of you and be present. And don't worry if you've earned it or not. Thank you.
0: Good morning. I'm Susan Caldwell, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at All Souls, and and also um, a mom. And one brief story, piggybacking on what Pam was talking about. I can actually remember a time when we lived in South Dakota, and Charlie was a little toddler, and Delia was maybe six, and I was reading, and I was really into this book, and they, 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 they kept, you know, they, they needed things, and they wanted things, and, and I was trying to, you know, yes, answer questions, and do all these things that a mom does, but I was so into this book, and all of a sudden, something smacked me on the head. The name of the book was Nurturing Spirituality in Children. <laughs> so we all have those little moments of, wake up, wake up, and so... So then we played, and we we did fun stuff. This week, um, a minister friend on Facebook asked her friends to write in the comments things their mothers always said. And this brought back some really poignant and sweet and some funny memories for me. If you appreciate anything we've done for you, pass it on. That was something that both my parents often said. Rise above it all. That was something my very Southern lady mother said often. I didn't really understand it until much later, but it has come in handy many times. Um, Don't ever hide how smart you are for some boy. I like that one. And of course, the ever popular, stand up straight, don't slouch, or you'll be slouching permanently. I think that is the bodily version of don't make that face, or it'll freeze that way. But my mom died when I was 16. So I never got to talk with her about being a mom, about raising children. And the goal, because the goal for me at that point in my life was to do the opposite of becoming a mom. So it just wasn't something that came up. And we never got to have that mother-daughter relationship as adults. It's something I have imagined all these years, at my college graduation, on my wedding day, when both my kids were born. And I've even talked to her a lot, I still do. But it's something truly wonderful, this gift that I have received from my own children, the chance to know them now as adults. I was blessed to have a close relationship with my mother-in-law, Helen Caldwell, that Delia mentioned earlier. And I've never forgotten something she told me right after Delia was born. She said she'd never been one of those moms who missed her children's baby years or wanted to return to that time. She loved her babies, of course, but she also found her children fascinating at every age and stage, and she was always interested in seeing what was coming next. I have remembered those words, and to this day, they still ring true. I think parenting is the undiscovered country for everybody who's done it. In many ways, it's the longest ongoing example of on-the-job training because just when you think you've mastered a stage, here comes another one. And then just when you think you have really got this thing down, well, here comes the next child and you're on a brand new path that's completely different from before. And so isn't it lucky that we have our children to teach us? Delia was the one who, when told by friends at about age nine, that she would go to hell, and I was in the next room, hearing this and wondering how I might have to intervene. They said she would go to hell if she didn't believe a certain way. She needed no intervention from me, as she quite calmly and matter-of-factly said, we don't believe in hell, and if you don't believe in it, you can't go there. My son, Charlie, was the one who, at age five, declared, you know, Mom, it's always the present. Even when I'm six, it'll be right now. There are Zen masters who study for years and don't get that stuff. What wonderful teachers I have had. And just as they continually surprise us through their growing up years, they are still surprising and delighting and teaching their dad and me in this journey of their adulthood. I love these people. I also really like them. I would want to know them. I would be interested in them even if I hadn't given birth to them. And while Steve and I see bits of us in there, we also see so much in them that is uniquely each of them. My daughter, after earning her degree in theater and working in just about every aspect of it, from teaching dance to choreography to costuming to acting and singing, came to the realization that she was always in love with science but had been scared of the math. And so in these past couple of years, she has conquered her math anxiety and has gone back to school to pursue a degree in biology, um, originally intending to pursue a master's in public health. She also works right now in the helping professions and is doing an incredible job and she's soon to embark on a new life in Portland, Oregon. My son currently teaches English to middle schoolers in Korea and he and his girlfriend were superb guides for us when we visited there last year, this brand new place for us, different language. And And they were wonderful. They got to teach us and they got to guide us. And so our kids have set out on adventures we had never imagined for them, teaching us all the while. And we cannot wait to see what comes next.